I was going down the road the other night after in here, we were in here in a prayer time on Tuesday night, and I left about 9.15, I mean, not I wish it was 9.15, uh, Sunday, it was 11.15, we started and it got, uh, got a little crazy in here and it was awesome, and so the very seats you were sitting in have been prayed over. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it means a lot to folks to understand the power of prayer. And so I left to go home, and uh, about 11.15, I was riding down the road, down 109. Uh, it was dark, and um, I just see this tin can on the side of the road, and not 100% sure what it was. And, and I don't know if I looked down at my phone. I'm going to say I didn't look down at my phone because you're not supposed to be looking down at your phone uh, when you're driving. But uh, anyway, my eyes caught it about the front of my bumper uh, when I got to it and realized it wasn't just a can sitting on the side of the road. It was a man sitting on the side of the road, literally on the white line of 109 at 11.15 at night. So who in the house would say that's a good idea? Don't try it. So I about hit this man. I about ran over him, literally. Like when I say that, I almost ran over him. And just so happens, Pastor Mitch was right behind me, and he about ran over him. He's like, this guy's really lucky he dodged two bullets coming down 109 at 11.15 at night. So I turned back around and Understand this gentleman is 76 years old, and he was walking from Wahlberg to Thomasville with a bad hip. And his hip gave out on him, so he just laid down the side of the road to rest. Listen, I'm not the brightest bulb in a bunch of y'all. I just ask a simple question. Hey, did you think like, like 109 was like a, like a good place to rest at 11.15 at night on the side of the road? He said, well, I didn't have any other option. Well, I tell you this story is because... I put him in my car and I took him to where he was going in Thomasville. And what happened there kind of made some new perspective for me. And this is what happened. So I take him to his house. He has a bad hip. He's limping. He's walking. He just had a hip replacement. And you shouldn't ever walk like seven miles when you have a hip replacement, just FYI. Um, and so I get him to his house and um, I've never been to this area in town at 11.15 at night. Okay. Well, I just know when we got out of the car, um, there just happened to be a lot of folks like roaming around about 1140 at this point in time. Just a lot of people come out. I'm not sure where they were coming from. They were just coming. And uh, so this interchange happened with me and this guy trying to get him in his house. And there's this lady come like, I, I didn't really know how you know to receive this lady coming at me other than she could have took me. Can I just say that? Like, not on my best day could I even handle her. I mean, she was, come on, you know what I'm saying? And so she came over, she said, she made the guy's mention's name and a couple other choice words and said, where have you been? Well, I've been gone for a couple weeks. I'm just coming home. This guy brought me. And she turns around and looks at me and says, why did you bring a preacher here? Well, I hadn't spoken to her yet, and he hadn't either. And, and I said, do what? And she said, you are a preacher. I said, well, I got, uh, that's one of my titles, I guess. That's if you want to call me that. Probably not one of my top ones. But I said, yes. She said, well, I know this because you are supposed to come here tonight and pray for me. All right, so I about hit this dude on one. Like when I say that, I'm not just joking. Like I literally probably almost be in the Davis County Jail today for running over a man by accident. And so I asked her, I said, specifically, why am I supposed to be here to pray for you? And she told me exactly a scripture that I had read less than an hour before that, that I had spoken. 
And it was the scripture for this lady, and I had no clue. But this is what happened in the conversation that sparked a lot of this this morning is this. She said, I prayed for her, and she broke, and, and this happened. And she stopped and looked at me. She said, I've never heard this before. And listen, guys, I didn't tell her. Like, if you know me very well, you know I didn't tell her anything really profound. Like, yeah, that took a little bit to catch, but y'all get me now, right? It, like, y'all know that uh, you're just getting what you get when you get it. Maybe if you get it, you know what I'm saying? And she said, um, I've never been told this before. I said, what do you mean? She said, she's 44 years old. She said, I've been in church for 44 years, and I've never heard what you told me. Got my mind spinning about the message that's been birthed for several weeks now. It comes out of the book of John, and I'm not going to read it fully. You can read it. You're very smart people. It comes out of the book of John, chapter 3, and I'm just going to tell you the situation. It's a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus. And we know Nicodemus to be a very smart individual. Like He and I probably would not be hanging out together very much. Unless he likes to pick on people that is not as smart as him. But he was, a, he was a Pharisee. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was like the ruler of this time. But he had seen enough to have question about Jesus. And so the scripture says in verse 1, 2, and 3, it says, Nicodemus came at night to meet with Jesus. Now Jesus had encountered Nicodemus more than once, because you know they'd be bringing Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the Pharisees, to ask him a bunch of questions, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you healing people? Why are you raising these folks from the dead? Because we don't have that power. But see, you got to understand, Nicodemus was extremely intelligent. He was a scholar. He was a theologian. He knew the Old Testament better than anyone. But there was something about this Jesus this Jesus compelled him to ask some questions. We're going to pick up and, I don't know, we're going to jump in there. Verse, verse 2, it says, He came to Jesus tonight and said, Rabbi, which means good teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. We know that. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So there's an admission that Nicodemus doesn't know everything. He didn't he knows a lot, but he's not understanding where this power is coming from. Again, coming at night. Remember that. Verse three it says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse four it says, How can a man be born when he is old? Did you hear that spin, guys? Like, that's, a, that's somebody that's a really a deep thinker. Like, I'm never going to make that statement. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus says, surely he cannot enter the second time into his mother's womb to be born. I would, I would second that. That's impossible. Y'all read this book like... Like, I'm just going to make a reference here. Like, Hollywood cannot script this. And if, like, people, you need to go home and take this thing right here and just go, blow the dust off of it. 
It'll be better than any scandal movie you can watch. How to Create a Murder or whatever that show is. I hear it's good, though. I may might check it out. But I can promise you, you're not going to find it in this. This thing right here. So it was a little statement that as an intellect, that's what he says. Well, how can you know be reborn? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Jesus answers in verse 5. I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Verse 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or it goes. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asks, how can this be? Verse 10 says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and what we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then, hear me church. You ready? How then, how then, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Like if you don't even understand earthly things how could you ever understand heavenly things jesus i pray that you would help us in this understanding this is not the easiest because we make it out way more than it really is but god i pray that you'd help us understand this encounter with nicodemus and jesus it's the power of your son, Jesus' name. We ask these things. Amen. Hey, John three sixteen. we can all quote it. If you have ever been to church before, right? We know that you see it at every sporting event by the poster at the end of the, you know, the field goal. That is a scripture that we hear constantly. If you know anything in the Bible, you know that one. See, just a few verses later, see, this is the interchange where Jesus and Nicodemus are having. And he shares this piece of knowledge with him. And he is a smart dude for God so of the world that he, he gave me to die for you. That's in verse 16. But the sad thing about this is when you get to the end of this, this chapter, talking about Nicodemus, there's no recording of there was ever a surrendering of his heart to truly understanding and believing. Like there's a difference, folks. There's a difference between understanding and believing. And so I want to I share just a couple of things with you this morning. The idea of being born again. So this morning we have prayed. We are called as a church to be the catalyst to break chains of religion. And in that one of those is terminology. The church is really good about coming up with terms that no one understands. Can I get an amen to that? Is it, I mean, maybe y'all, hey, again, 
Y'all are probably very smart people. May y'all understand all of them, but I don't. I got, I got this degree that they handed me. I think I paid enough money and they gave it to me. Uh, sometimes that works out. But I don't understand half the, the jargon that the church has ever shared from a platform, from a counseling session, from anything on a board, poster board, on a daggum uh, road sign. They all crazy. And I'm just not understanding most of that. So I want to I debunk something that maybe you don't understand is this. Because Nicodemus didn't understand it either when Jesus said, you got to be born again. I mean, so immediately his mind's like, well, I don't understand how that can happen. You know, me going back to my mother's death. And I, I, mean, is that, I mean, so I just lost that opportunity to be born again. I've lost my opportunity. No. Like in this, in this statement is that something we, we get confused as a church. Like when we say, you know, born again or rebirth or whatever. Like... Sometimes we feel like, like we have to change our old self. Like when we say yes to Jesus, like that is us attempting to like get out of something. To, we want to be reborn or maybe we just want to change. Last night a guy said, hey, dude, I, can you just pray for me to be changed? Well, won't you pray for you to be changed? And I'll pray with you. Because I'm not sure he understood what that meant. Because in the church language, we just throw that around. Well, I want to be different. I want to be changed. But what, this, what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is like, you have to be born again. That means like there has to be a new birth. In a new birth, then there's something that has to die in you. Hear me, church. There has something that has to die in you in order for something to come new alive. Because it didn't say, hey, we're going to take care of old self and we're going to make old self prettier, flashier, better looking, like a new haircut, some new, new clothes. Well, I'm going to drive a new car and if I buy a new house and all this stuff that I can do to my old self, maybe I can receive that. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can't. And I wrote down some notes that so I wouldn't forget it. Because I knew I'd get up here and I'd forget it. And I want you to show you how my mind works. Y'all okay with me just showing you how my... Like, that's how my mind works. Anybody want to decipher that? I'm not sure I can decipher it. But we're going to try. See, when we talk about the old self, who we are, when we talk about being reborn, like a new birth has to happen. In that, then you, your old self, can't have two of you. Now, some of you, <laughs> there's more than two of you in that body. Like, you got like six personalities. And like, okay, which one's he going to show up today? You know what I'm saying? I ain't talking about that. I ain't talking about killing your personalities. I'm talking about like dying to who your old self is. Like, that's what he was telling Nicodemus. Hey, you got, there's got to be a death happens. There's got to be, in order to be a rebirth, he could not grasp that. See, the old self is, is what we can do to change it. Hear me? Like, if I just want my old self and like, I like me, you know what I'm saying? Y'all like you because I look at some of you and I hear some way some of you talk. Like, you like you. Like, you like some you. Like, you like some you. Now, I like some me too. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes. But it's what I can do to change me. It's like, well, what can I do today to like make me better? Like if you read leadership books and like how to, you know, self-help books, they're going to tell you how to make your old you a better old you. But that is not what Jesus was talking about here. 
See, in the old self, this is what I want us to debunk in church culture. Can I just say this, church? Can you just bear with me for a second? Is that the old self, when, when the church tells us we just, just, just do better, like, just do better. Like, you drink, like, a 12-pack of beer a night. Just, just drink six. Drink six. If, you, if you're drinking 12 a night and you to go down to six, you probably will feel a difference. Huh? Anyway, that's another conversation. Anyway. I, that was not in my notes, by the way. That was free. And I got to go back to figure out what I was even talking about. What was I talking about? I know what I was talking about now. Just kidding. No, I wasn't kidding, but I am kidding. But here we go. Is that the church for so too long has told us this. Just like, like manage your sin. Manage it. Like once you like accept him and he's forgiven you of your sin. And then that from, then from that point on, just, just manage it. Like, be a good manager of it. Just don't, don't let it be, like, out in public. Just, I mean, just, just take care of it, okay? Just don't let it, like, overrule you. Just, just be a good manager of your sin. And then there's another thing that the church has told us for all too long. I'm talking about the big C church. Is that a right C? Uh, is that behavior modification... Like, if we can just change the way we behave in our old self, then we will make this. We got this thing licked. Like, I might be able to get on that committee like that I've been wanting to get on. Or I may be able to get that job if they, if they just see me just change my behavior a little bit. Now, there's a place for behavior modification. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking specifically about being born again. The old self. It's what we can do. Nicodemus was so smart. He went straight to himself like, well, what can I do? I mean, if you tell me about being reborn, I got to go back to my mother. No, he just could not understand it. Because what Jesus was talking about here is this. It's very simple. Like it's a brand new self. I love it when Scott talks about, uh, about it, your, um, what's that thing called? Fingerprint, yes. I love I told y'all. I love when he talks about the fingerprint. He said, man, that's the only you that there is. Do you understand that? Like, that's the only you. Like, like he's talking about being a brand new you. Like, whenever the old self, the old self dies, not like when we change the old self, but when the old self dies once and for all, and there's this new birth. There's this new birth. Like, I love it. He told me this morning, and I just had it in my mind. He said, man, do you know what a prototype is? A prototype is the very first one, and they're trying to make mass quantities of it, but they want to, you know, they want to make sure it's going to work first. That's the prototype. There's only one in that nature of the prototype. But what happens in the prototype, man, they mass produce it. When they get it right, they mass produce it. At Acts 2, when the church was new and they understood what it's talking about, praying together, giving each other who's in need, that was the prototype. And man, God perfected it. And guess who screwed it up? We did. So let's get to the heart of this thing. Like, what does it look like when there's brand new birth? I mean, there's some women in the house that are pregnant, aren't they? Like, I know my boy Zach over here. Well, he's not pregnant, but Emily is. Zach, are you pregnant? I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. Zach and Emily, I mean, they're pregnant. Mike and Megan over here. There's others. Like, when that brand new baby happens, there's something new and fresh and exciting there's new life. 
guess what happens that you don't have to do when you get new life? You don't have to continue to try to make your new better. See, you're trying to make your old better. You don't have to do that any longer. Like in the new self, you get to be instead of having to do. Hear me, church. Stop having to do. I know many of you come here today is tired. You're tired of trying to change your behavior or manage your sin. You're tired of it. I know you're tired of it. But he said, hey, I want a new and fresh you. What is that happens there? Brand new? What happens to that baby, man? When that baby comes out, freedom! And then real quickly they realize they do want a second birth. They want to get back into there, you know what I'm saying? It was way warmer and way comfortable. And Guess what happens when the new new comes like when we die to self and this new thing happens like then people's like what well, like we had a guy i ain't gonna tell you names when they heard about salvations in hope city the very first thing they said i mean really like really like 22 on one morning like really like how many of those really well i don't know i ain't, I ain't their judge but i can know this when you're brand new you get new tendencies. See, and that's what Nicodemus could not understand. Like he thought he just, if he could change him, he could figure this thing out. He couldn't. See, we get new tendencies when we're brand new. Like, you know where those tendencies come from? They don't come from how good we are and what are the things we've accomplished. They come from heaven. We have tendencies of our home. And where's your home? That's a valid question. Where's your home? Because wherever your home is, that's where your tendencies, how you grew up will be your tendencies. Correct? Like how you were raised, you'll have tendencies by how you were raised. But when you're reborn, your tendencies come from heaven because that's the home in which he's calling us. The old nature the behavior modifications, the behavior management, the sin management, the self. I don't know if you're tired of yourself or not. But I know one thing happens when you're born, again, which is a churchy term. We just call it, hey, when he makes you new. That's the same thing. When God makes you new, you get new tendencies. How about this? Like when you wrestle with debt, like people, like we understand, like, let's just manage our debt, like debt management. Like if I can just, I can get this car payment because, man, I got a bonus and I got this bump and I can make it happen. I've got all my money allocated to managing my debt. Like debt services, like I can manage it. My question is this, where's the freedom in debt management? Do you hear me, church? I hear crickets. It's the same way with the guy that's standing on the top of the mountain. And he has one of these fly suits on. We just talked about this week. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You ever seen it on TV? Like, they, they make themselves like a human fly or whatever it is. And they just free fall. I think it's stupid. I mean, why would you ever do that? But I see a lot of folks in the church that hang on that 
edge for way too long. That you know that God's asking you to give up your old self. To jump to whatever that may be. This morning I have brought chain because chain is a good representation of the big C church. And I don't always think the church is put in chains by the enemy. I think the church is enchained by really good people that mean really well. They have told enough people, if you can just take care of your stuff, you'll be just fine. Instead of really telling God about your stuff. Chains will chains will hold you back from so much. I remember when I was at in high school, 17, I remember being at youth camp. And um, the very one that our kids are going to in about six weeks. And I'd like for you to pray whether you need to be sponsoring one of our kids to go to youth camp or children's camp. Because I remember when I was 17, that moment when the guy was speaking. And he's talking about being born again. Not that I didn't like my old self. I just didn't like where my old self was going because it was on a dead end road. Talked about the chain in which we put ourselves in. But I remember that moment whenever I encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. Listen, I met Jesus and he saved me, but I don't think I'd ever experience the Holy Spirit. Jesus told me, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So I want you to think this morning. We've been talking about the kingdom culture. What does the kingdom culture look like in this? The kingdom culture shows that there's a death and then there's life. Did you hear me? Like there's death, dying to self, and there's new life. Like there's death, do you hear me, church? And then there's life. What happens is this. Like we get in this thing long enough. We get into it long enough. And, and when, when we said yes to Jesus, maybe years ago, maybe weeks ago, maybe decades ago. And, you know, we take that, that, that area that takes the chains off our neck we receive salvation and and the chains drop off our life but as we get in this thing and we get into managing sin and and we get into managing the things that we try to change our behavior first thing we know we become enchained again like like we live this because we're comfortable here guys like listen I can still operate I can still pick stuff up I can still operate my day I can go to work and do my job I can do everything I need to do in these chains like I'm okay with because I've, I've learned how to manage these things in my life I've learned how to manage them and that ain't what he was telling Nicodemus hey Nicodemus you don't have to manage it any longer like yeah the one that run your neck yeah, you've taken that off. You, you've, you've met me. You've, you've experienced Jesus. But the only thing that breaks the chains that holds us back in religion, like, like these are the things that the church has taught us for all too long. You know what breaks these chains? 
is the power of Jesus. And let me tell you something, and this is not a slam on anybody, and I'm going to say it for our church. I will say it for our church, and I'll say it for every other church. Our church lacked power of Jesus. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a popular message. But our church is like the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that will set people free. Like our prayer this morning, we prayed over 12 churches in this area that the power of God will be so evident that he shows up and those folks leave like, I don't even know what happened. Like their chains of religion get cut off. The things that hold you back. Listen, last Sunday, I woke up in the middle of the night and God said this, call it out next Sunday. And I don't know what, what's, what's your chain, what do your chains look like? What are the things that hold you back from experiencing all, like, I want to experience all that Jesus has for me. What's that chain in your life? Two things happened last Sunday. One thing is this, he said, there's people in the room that are struggling with an eating disorder. Like, I don't know if you're anorexic, bulimic, or you just like food. But he says, call it out. That's a chain that will hold you back from experiencing everything. I'm talking about the fullness. He wanted to give Nicodemus everything. For God so loved the world, church. He didn't give it so we could come into a nice building and feel good with the air conditioner on and then go out out the doors and be the same. He did not do that. He did not, hear me, he did not give his son to die on the cross for our little Christianity, our prettiness, keeping this thing all safe and secure, like in the, in, in the walls of this building. Listen, church, that ain't what we're called to. And I'm just going to be straight with you. That's not what we're called to. We've managed for way too long. And I'm going to ask you, it's a, it's a very pointed ask this morning. Like you have to be honest with yourself. Like, what is it in your life that needs to die and him give new birth to? That's a chain that has to go in your life. Do you want to live a life of freedom? Like, like freedom like you've never experienced before? Listen, I don't know why I picked up the 76-year-old man off the highway, but I asked God, I said, hey, God, every person I come in contact with, I will share your love with them. Ten minutes later, it was a dude on the side of the highway that I about killed. And I got to share Jesus with him. Not only him, but a group of other people that just came out of the woodworks at midnight. By the time I left, it was 1230. I ended up preaching to these folks. And we circled up and prayed. And this lady said, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave my life. She said it. I ain't going to do this anymore. I can find a new way to make money. 44 years, I ain't got to sell myself anymore. I ain't got to do it. She left. Jesus told that lady, the adulterer said, go. Go live your life and sin no more. She broke the chains. She broke a chain, guys. What is holding you back? And this is the other thing I kept hearing in my prayer time. Every time I walk for three weeks now, this is all I've heard. This is all I've heard. 
That's all I've heard. This is all I've heard. When I pray, I hear chains dropping. I hear them breaking all around me. Hear me, church. This is for the church. I'm not, this ain't for the world this morning. This is for the church, the people in the church. It's time to break the chains and live a life of freedom. He has so much more. He wants more for you than you want for you. Did you hear me? He wants more for you than you want you. This is what he wants right here. He wants to break. He wants to break chains this morning. He wants to break chains. So I, I, just, I just want to ask you this. Who would be brave enough to say, you, you know what? I no longer want to live this life. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. You know what, Pastor Brent, I don't know if he's in the room right now, but he gave a great analogy this morning. He said, you know, whenever you talk about this, this is the picture I got. It's like we, we strap our chains to this dead body and we drag this thing around everywhere we go. You know what a dead carcass smells like? Do you know what it looks like? God doesn't want that for you any longer, church. What if it was a church that came about laser focused, laser focused about his Holy Spirit and the power at work within it? I can promise you this, there'll be no chains, there'll be nothing. They'll be gone, they'll be dead. And there'll be guys and girls, sons and daughters living lives full of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna ask specifically, I got chain. I got as much. I got. I got. I got chain. And I got some Holy Spirit bolt cutters. Come on. They were thirty-one ninety-nine. Bring it. And for me to buy something like that, you know they Holy Spirit. As we leave this morning, we're gonna sing this song. This next line. That's what he's looking for. An, an army rising up. They're saying, you know what, I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of managing myself. I'm ready to go free onto this thing. I want God to fill me with everything he wants to give me. He wants more for you than you want for you. Who is it? Chains. Who needs to cut them? Hey, here's the cutters. There's the chains. Do not be the man that stands on the mountain that's got the fly suit on and can't jump. He looks the part. He's prepared himself, but he just can't do it. I'm going to ask you this morning, is it you that you'll be bold enough to say, I'm tired of this. I want to make a public statement for what God I want to do in my life. That's you. I got somebody in here. He'll help you cut the chain. Take the chain links. I've cut, I've cut them this morning. I want you to look at here. I want you to look here. There's, there's a half a chain link. There's another one. There's another one that have already been cut this morning. You want to cut? Come on. Sing with us. Come. Church. Be the church.